0: You know, I can't help but think if maybe we need to reevaluate our priorities. Kids come to us from all different backgrounds and have all different needs and they don't fit into the same mold. I hope that we continue to get to know our students on a more personal level and to understand what might be causing some of the hurdles in their lives. Silver lining to all of this is that it's forced us to slow down and that is a huge benefit that I hope we don't forget.
1: This pandemic has forced students to learn at home and educators have had to make a fast pivot to remote teaching. This season, I'm talking with teachers and students across the United States to find the silver linings of our situation, to find out what matters most in school, and to use those lessons as we reimagine the future of education. This is Change the Narrative, the podcast about innovation in education and the workplace. I'm your host and tour guide, Michael Hernandez. Beth Schwartz began her career as a special education teacher and is currently an elementary school principal in Ohio. Next year, she'll move into the role of technology integration specialist within her district. Beth is also the mother of two school-age daughters. So during the stay-at-home order, Beth, her husband, daughters, and Kat are all learning the art of working together at home. And I'm sure that's a challenge like it is with me and my daughter, um, but also kind of cool to have your kids as your coworkers. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's been an interesting adventure.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I, you wear a lot of hats. You have a lot of perspective on these things. You're dealing with family uh, elbow to elbow in the, in the class, a, a home. Um, but what do you secretly like about working from home?
0: So when I am at school, my day is very fast paced. Um, I work in a very large school building. I've got about a thousand students. And when I'm at school, I am all on, taking care of kids, taking care of teachers. And one thing I've noticed is at home, um, everything kind of slows down a little bit. And so, you know, I'm eating lunch every day with my family. And honestly, on a normal work day, I sometimes don't even stop for lunch because lunchtime is the time where I want to be in the cafeteria seeing kids and when I want to be talking to teachers because that's when they have a break. So it's been nice to kind of stop and eat lunch with my kids and my husband every day and touch bases.
1: It's the little things, man.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like being a human and eating food. Yeah, (laughs) that's important. (laughs) It is very important, right? So what have you learned about yourself while being on quarantine?
0: I have learned that I still very much need a schedule you know the first week or so when my family was trying to figure this out um, you know we tried going at this different ways you know we started you know just kind of jumping in and seeing you know how it went but we realized we needed a set schedule and that wasn't necessarily saying like okay you know this time is when we're doing reading every day but it was here's a consistent time that we wake up every day here's a consistent time that we eat lunch. And I also had to build in time for my kids that, hey, this is your time to take a break from school and go outside and play because I have amazing children who are very hard workers, but they were working too hard. And so I had to put the brakes on and say, nope, this is just like recess at school. Take some time and take a break.
1: That's interesting. And do you take breaks exactly at the same time every day or is it kind of split up or how are you working that?
0: We try and do it pretty much the same time every day. It changes a little bit um, based on what's happening. You know, like for example, um, one of my girls had a Zoom call with her class today. And so that changed our schedule a little bit, but we try and keep it pretty consistent.
1: That's great. Yeah, I feel like I have to do my routine too. Otherwise, forget it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you mentioned some of these things already, but um, how do you keep your sanity while on lockdown?
0: Yeah, the routines are definitely keeping us sane and also uh just making sure to stop and enjoy our family time. Um, You know, I think one thing about working at home sometimes is that it's hard to stop, right? Because you're not getting in your car and driving home at the end of the day. There's no natural break. And so, you know, we had to make a conscious decision like, okay, we're going to close up the computers at dinner time, and we're not going to touch them again for the rest of the evening and we're going to really enjoy that family time so you know we're going on walks together we're playing games watching the shows that we never have time to watch just enjoying being together
1: yeah that's so great that's so important um and you have that time now right instead of commuting right
0: right Uh, yeah (laughs) right which
1: is sort of my next question like what do you like best about remote work either personally or professionally
0: so the easy commute is awesome, right? <laughs> I'm not right. driving every day. Right. Um, and also professionally, I have noticed that working from home actually gives me time to pause and reflect before I answer questions. So in a school building, you know, teachers will stop me in the hall, people pop into my office, and that's my job. I'm supposed to be there to troubleshoot and answer questions. But a lot of times that happens really fast. And so I'm making you know, fast decisions that are hopefully the correct decision. Um, but now it's more, you know, I'm receiving emails, or I'm getting texts from teachers with questions. And so it gives me a moment to kind of pause and make sure that I answer that question the right way, which has been nice. And then personally, um, I have a unique situation um, in that one of my daughters um, has a serious medical condition. And so working from home has actually worked out very nicely for us. Because we don't have to take sick days anymore. You know, she misses quite a bit of school, and you know, teachers would send the books and the worksheets home, and she would try and get that done. And now we don't have to worry about that. Like she takes the, her Google Classroom while she's, you know, doing her treatments, and it's really helped us a lot. And even from the doctors' component too. Um, you know, doctors are embracing technology as well right now, and so we're doing some of her appointments virtually, which has been amazing for our family because some of her appointments, we have to travel out of state. And so that would mean like I was blocking off multiple days on my calendar to go do that. Now we log in with the doctor on the computer, do a one hour, you know, visit and we're done from the comfort of our kitchen. So that's been a pleasant surprise for a family coming out of this.
1: That's really helpful. Um, The flexibility time. And I'm curious, like, you know, as an administrator, you're always trying to keep track of kids um, because they have to be in their seats to get ADA, to get your payment from the state. Uh, that's how schools are funded by attendance. Um, and also like your faculty, like if they don't show up, there's a problem, right? Uh, and if they have children who are sick or, or family issues that, and they have to, to leave school, it causes all these headaches. Um, and, you know, all of these boundaries and barriers aside, like, uh, do you think this is a better way to work?
0: it's a different way to work, right? There's definitely um, some things that I think are great about this. And you're right, like, you know, I had a teacher yesterday who she wasn't feeling real well, um, but she was still able to, you know, log on and, you know, take care of her students questions via email and things like that. And you're right, normally, I would have had to have gotten a sub for that teacher. Um, So in that component, yeah, it definitely is a great way to work. But at the same time, it's not perfect, right? Because as educators, we thrive from that interaction with our students and seeing them face-to-face. Um, and so I miss that component a lot. I miss those elementary school hugs and that excitement of getting to see my kids every day.
1: Yeah, for sure. I just, I'm curious about this whole compliance piece where you have to be taped to a chair or chained to a desk in order to learn, you know, right? Uh, right. to count or to like say it's not real if we're not face to face and given all these challenges like that life is messy and life is uneven and everybody's life is different. Like why would we con like rely on conformity, you know, to ensure that. Um, And
0: that's one thing um, teachers have noticed not so much at the elementary level, but at um, like the junior high and high school level is teachers have noticed that, um, you know, kids aren't necessarily sticking to the same same schedule that we are, right? Like they're turning in their homework at midnight and because that's what works for them. And so I do think that that definitely benefits children and their families, that there's more of that self-paced, even, even my children. Like I've noticed one of my daughters, um, the fact that she can pace herself, um, is really nice. You know, when she's listening to, um, some recordings that her teachers have sent her, I'll watch her and she'll go back and she'll rewind it a couple times. You can't do that in real life. Right. <laughs> and so being able to go back and rewind for her really helps that learning take hold.
1: Right. I think that's true for everybody, right? Like some people need to hear it a couple of different times for it to like sort of percolate and sink in and make sense. Um, and there's so much like, expectation that on like in an instant you'll understand everything and you have to come up with an answer on the spot like you were saying with your faculty like on the spot and so i'm sort of curious like you were saying that that time to pause and reflect and you were saying that in your own professional life but i wonder if that's the same for students too have you noticed that happening with like their ability to 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 do work and take longer or different amounts of time
0: yeah i definitely noticed that with my children um you know and it's so interesting. Like we raise our children the same, right? But they can turn out so differently. I have two daughters who are like polar opposite. And so one of them, you know, she likes to plow through her work and she does it efficiently, but she plows through and gets it done. And so that's her pace. She likes to, you know, keep trucking along. Whereas the other one, yeah, she's much more methodical. She likes to slow down. Even when they um, do classroom zoom calls, I noticed that she's kind of hesitant about that because She puts her, her, she mutes her mic because she wants to be able to think before she replies with an answer. And so, yeah, she has definitely benefited from the slower pace and the time to pause.
1: Yeah, and talking to other teachers and students through this process for this podcast, uh, I'm hearing a lot of this uh, similar kind of answers. And I'm wondering, are we uh, getting kids in trouble or marking them down or scolding them or looking at them differently because they don't comply to our expectation, the timeline of the school day, um, and all of that, as opposed to looking at like the learning outcome. Like, are they able to show me what they know, however they can? I mean, we talk about this whole like, you know, personalized learning, but it's not, wasn't really personalized.
0: Right. Yeah, I do agree with that. I think um, sometimes school itself is so fast-paced that, you know, teachers want to get through the content and, you know, before the bell rings. And so they don't always have time to pause and give that child who needs more processing speed, like teachers need to rush. And so they don't have time to give that student a moment to think about their answer. Um, So yeah, I think this does help to personalize that. And I'm very curious to see um, when we're allowed to go back to school, how we'll take those lessons with us. You know, one thing that I think has been a powerful lesson for myself and my teachers is empathy. You know, my teachers have really gotten a good glimpse into what goes on into individual homes. Um, And I think that's important, right? Because kids come to us from all different backgrounds and have all different needs, and they don't fit into the same mold. And I think now we're seeing that more than ever. And we're very cognizant of that now when we're, you know, meeting with them and we're trying to, you know, provide, you know, individual instruction to them through like individual Google meetings and things like that. And so I hope that stays. I hope that we continue to get to know our students on a more personal level and to understand what might be causing some of the hurdles in their lives.
1: And I know there's a lot of challenges to implementing these ideas on an ongoing basis. Um, how do you see a solution to that? Like, how do you see us being able to adopt some of these processes and, and structures?
0: So I think part of it, honestly, like this whole COVID thing kind of made us jump into some of this learning. And in some ways, that's really good, right? It forced us out of our comfort level into learning things that we weren't quite ready for, but now like, okay, we're all in. And so I think we'll take that with us. You know, I can't help but think if maybe we need to reevaluate our priorities, right? This time of year in the spring in school, what are we all focused on? Testing, right? And we want to make sure that we get all our students to have all that content before the testing arrives. And, you know, we shut down teaching during, you know, our testing weeks to make sure that it's quiet in the building and the kids can focus. And, you know, if we were able to free some of that up, then maybe that might give teachers the time that they need to do more of this individualized getting to know students even better.
1: Freeing up time as well as money, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Thinking of the millions
1: that are billions that are spent on standardized testing and what does that translate to in terms of the amount of time in the classroom spent test-taking and prepping for tests, right?
0: Right, yeah. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Um, So you seem pretty savvy. You've got a lot of experience. Uh, You're pretty open-minded and comfortable with change, but a lot of people aren't. Um, And maybe you see this with your staff too. So what advice would you want to give to colleagues about this new normal of teaching uh, to help them get through?
0: Um, I think... What I would want people to know is that this is a learning process, and it is okay if you make mistakes, right? Sometimes we're so afraid to try new things because we don't want to mess up, and we don't want to look silly in front of our students, but it's human, right? It's okay to try something. It's okay not to be perfect at it, and you know, over these past few weeks, I've been having to give that message both to my teachers and to their families. Because right now families are really worried about like being the perfect homeschool instructor, right? They don't have to be perfect either. (laughs) So my advice would be to take a deep breath, know that it's a learning process, just try your best and use the technology to truly make connections with kids. I saw the coolest thing the other day. One of my teachers had asked her students um, as an extra project just to do for fun. They could um, film themselves on Flipgrid. Um, cooking to go along with a book that they had just read. And it was the best thing ever. Like it just brought a smile to my face and the kids were so excited. And like that to me is an amazing way to use technology so that students can express themselves and you can see their individual personality.
1: That's so great. It's like, again, the individuality, the creativity, passion that we didn't allow for before for me, it's really interesting because I see a lot of teachers scrambling and they're like, Oh, I've got to learn all this stuff. And I don't know what's right. And I I don't know. I've never done this before. It kind of reminds me of what it's like to be a student.
0: Yeah. And we have kind of
1: forgot that. Like, that's how the kids are in our classroom. Like it's fear and anxiety. Like, I don't know what the answer is. What are they looking for? Um, You know, I've never done this before. And I think going back to that empathy piece you were talking about earlier, it's like, now we remember what it's like to be a student. And so maybe, right. like, I'm feeling this too. Like, maybe the way I teach and the assignments I give, I need to be a little bit more empathetic and remember what it's like to, to be in that position.
0: Yeah, because when they enter our classrooms, we are literally every single day asking them to learn and try something new.
1: Yeah, exactly. From scratch, right? Um, so you've talked about a lot of the positives here. Um, what are some of the silver linings out of all this? What are some of the things not rainbows and unicorns, but some of the lessons, some of the things you'd like to keep moving forward?
0: Um, I think definitely when I look at the silver lining professionally, it would be the new tool that we're learning how to use. I think that that is going to be so vital even as we move forward. And I think it gives teachers courage to know like, okay, I tried it and it worked out okay. And so now I think that courage is going to propel them in the future to do some really awesome stuff as well. And the silver lining for me personally is um, that it's given me some time for that, you know, self-care that normally I push to the side, but now I'm realizing, hey, taking care of myself and my own family is just as important as taking care of my school family.
1: You know, as an administrator or somebody who has to deal with like politics and budget and all those things, um, what's, um, what, do you wanna, um, what do you want policymakers to change or adopt? As we look to next school year and as we maybe reimagine the future of education
0: yeah, I think as we think to the future, there have been two big things that have stuck out to me um, through this is definitely the state testing and how much time we're putting towards it so I would like to see that be reevaluated and also um, technology access you know I am very fortunate I live in northern Ohio and my school district um, has technology that is available for our kids. And so they were able to take that technology home and if if they needed to, they could borrow technology. That is not true for every school district. And every house is different as well too, right? You know, some of our kids have internet that works wonderfully, others don't, and we had to figure out ways to get them internet access. And so I definitely think that that is a national issue that we need to look at how do we make sure that we are more equitable?
1: Would you advocate for internet as a public utility?
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely is something that I can't even imagine going.
1: Um, I don't know if you can hear me, but we froze here for a second. So we're recording again. Ironically, uh, Beth, while we were talking about the internet, your internet dropped, and we yeah. had to restart this conversation. <laughs> I did. I don't know, maybe the internet gods or the companies are actually eavesdropping on us and they don't want us to That's talk about
0: it. That's what I'm wondering. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I was asking you if uh, you think that the internet should be a public utility as opposed to like under a private company. Yeah. I- and she dropped that again. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. This is like, I think this is actually a conspiracy. <laughs> I'm going to pause the recording again. Okay, so sort of continuing our conversation before we got interrupted for internet dropping out, (laughs) the irony. Um, Yes. Yeah, so what are some, um, you know, we were talking about what you want policymakers to change and adopt um, as we look forward and reimagine education.
0: Yeah, so when I think um, about policy changes, I definitely think the two things that have most impacted us right now um, are State testing, you know, thankfully, Ohio has put a pause on state testing for this year. And that really um, alleviated a lot of stress from my teachers because they could use this time to really connect more with students and, you know, get that content across that they have always wanted to get across, but maybe never had time. And so I think that's definitely something we need to think about in the future. Is state testing the best use of our time? And then also um, technology, you know, I, I am blessed to work in a district where my students do have access to technology, um, but not all districts have that. And I think that is an issue that we definitely need to address.
1: Absolutely. And it's funny, you're talking about this, the testing, like my students are kind of lost. They're like wondering what the point of all this is. You know, we're talking about grading and how you get evaluated and there's no tests, Like they're kind of, they're lost. They don't know, like, what's the point of what we're doing except. Right. Cause we've trained
0: them. Yeah. Yeah. We've trained them. You test. The teachers
1: too, though, like what's the point of the class? And I think we've really lost sight of that through that testing and the the grading system. It's really fascinating. Um, So if there was one piece of advice that you'd like to share with teachers or parents or policymakers about remote learning, what would it be?
0: I think for remote learning, it is important to remember um, that every family and every student is going to approach the day differently. And what I mean by that is, I don't think that you can say, all right, everybody log on at nine o'clock and I'm going to teach this algebra lesson. That's not practical. You know, some of our um, kids are being the primary caregiver while mom and dad are essential workers. Or, you know, some of our kids logging on at nine o'clock isn't going to work because they don't have stable internet. So I think the biggest thing that I would impart to my teachers and to my families is to remember every kid comes from a different situation, has a different story. And so you can't do one size fits all, put a demand that's the same on everybody. It just doesn't work.
1: Right on. I have a student, one of my top performing students, super smart girl, um, really dedicated and passionate. Her mom's been sick for a couple of weeks and she's in charge of taking care of her two younger brothers. You know, um, she's a junior in high school, very smart and family has plenty of means, but it's definitely putting a stress on her. So it's really interesting uh, to see what, what we expect of, of them, um, not knowing their situation. Um, so what else would you like to share about? Yeah. Right. Um, what else would you like to share about school closures and remote work?
0: Um, I think Just the importance of remembering um, that you don't have to be perfect and that the priority should be um, connecting with our students. Um, I tell my teachers all the time, you know, make those connections, keep that relationship in mind, because right now, social emotional learning is so important. You know, we can get the kids caught back up later once everything has calmed down and there aren't so many stressors in life right now. I just need all of our students to know that they are loved. They are missed not being in that building and that their teachers are there for them to support them and to get them through this. We're going to keep offering great educational opportunities for our kids because kids need that structure, but they also need a teacher just to, you know, have that pat on the back to say, hey, I'm still here to listen to you and I'm still here to help you.
1: That's beautiful. Isn't that just regular good teaching though?
0: You are exactly right. Yep. <laughs>
1: I mean, I know I've forgotten that. Uh, and I'm wondering why, Why have we forgotten that?
0: Yeah, you're right. And, and I think we forget it because life is so fast paced, right? We've got deadlines, we've got the test coming up, you know, we've got all these things that make us want to just go, go, go. And so, you know, as you said, the silver lining to all of this is that it's forced us to slow down and that is a huge benefit that I hope we don't forget.
1: Well, Beth Schwartz, this has been really fantastic talking with you. Thanks for sharing your ideas.
0: Yeah, thanks for being patient with my pesky internet.
1: (laughs) If you like the podcast, rate us and write us a review. It helps people find us. And don't forget to sign up for our monthly email newsletter. You can find the details on our website, changethenarrative.net.